In the Gospel of John, not long before Jesus is arrested and taken away to be crucified, one of the disciples, Philip, says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? In other words, Philip, you should know by now that to look at me is to look at God. And this isn't the only place where Jesus says something like this, uh, something that describes this profound unity between himself and God. In John 5.19, he says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. And what all this means is that if we want to know what God is like, we can't do better than looking at Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, one with the Father. When we've seen him, we've seen the Father. He's the fullest revelation of the character and nature of God. And the author of Hebrews agrees. The author says uh, uh, in Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The exact representation. And so on Good Friday, what we have to ask is, what does it tell us about God that Jesus hung on a cross? What do we learn about our Heavenly Father when we see the suffering of Christ? When we see the nails in his hands and his feet, the thorns in his brow, the scourge marks on his body? When we gaze upon the crucified Christ, what does he reveal about our Creator? And Good Friday is a special day when we should turn our eyes to Jesus on the cross and say to ourselves, behold your God, and reflect on that thought. Tonight, I'd like to offer four of my own reflections that come from sitting with that thought. Four reflections on the question, what does the crucified Christ tell us about what God is like? And the first one is this. God is not removed from the suffering of the world. God is not removed from the suffering of the world. One of the most striking aspects of all the passages that were read tonight is the injustice, the inhumanity, the cruelty, and the pain that Jesus goes through, right? And when we recognize that this pain is not just the suffering of a man, but the suffering of the incarnation of God, there's something deeply profound about that, something that has the power to, to, to touch us and change us on a deep level. In my own journey of faith, I've wrestled a lot with what's known as the problem of suffering, uh, which is essentially, if God is good and loving, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is there so much pain? You know, some of the pain we can see that it appears to have a purpose, but so much of it seems so senseless, right? So unnecessary. And the problem of suffering, this is a question that a lot of skeptical people use to challenge people who 
who believe. And a lot of the conversations that I've had with atheists and agnostics where I've been trying to, to share my faith with them, this is a, a question that comes up all the time. And it's even a question that people in the Bible ask, like in the book of Job and in Lamentations. If there's a good and loving God, why is there so much seemingly senseless suffering in the world? And it's not a question that has a simple, easy answer. But I believe that Good Friday has power to make our questioning go silent. Because on Good Friday, we see God experiencing the problem of suffering himself. If you worked for a company and you were disappointed in your pay, you might complain about the boss of that company. Right? And, and you might say, well, if my boss was really a good person, if the person in charge of this company really was truly good, then my pay would be higher. But let's say that one day you come to realize that your boss actually doesn't even take a salary, and your boss is living in a homeless shelter. That realization would humble you, right? It would probably stop you from speaking poorly about your boss. And, it would lead you to reconsider this idea that you have, that your boss isn't actually good. And similarly, the cross has this power to humble those of us who think that because there's too much suffering in the world, we, we just can't believe in a good God. Because through the cross, we see that God is not removed from the suffering of the world. He is with us in it. Good Friday shows us that whatever we're going through, God knows and he understands. The second thought that I have as I gaze upon the crucified Christ is God is stunningly merciful. God is stunningly merciful. In the midst of this horrific mistreatment that we've been reading about, Jesus does something that should fill us with awe. He prays for the people who are crucifying him. The people who are mocking him, the people who are playing games to figure out who's going to get his clothes, and he doesn't pray for their punishment or for their destruction. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He asks that they would be shown mercy. Despite their violence, despite their lack of compassion, despite their disrespect of God incarnate, he's concerned for their well-being. He wants them to be forgiven. Personally, I think that verse is one of the most comforting verses in the whole Bible. Because if Jesus really is the exact representation of God's being, Jesus' prayer tells us that God is so much more interested in our redemption than in our condemnation. He's so much more interested in saving us than in destroying us. I think a lot of us are inclined to think that God is watching over us with a frown all the time, and he's saying, how could you do that? How could you do that? But Jesus' prayer gives us another picture of God. It's a picture of God looking at us tenderly and saying, you don't really understand what you're doing, do you? Let me help you. Good Friday shows us that God is stunningly merciful. The third thought I have as I gaze upon the crucified Christ is God's power sometimes looks like weakness by human standards. We human beings tend to think of power in very superficial terms. 
We think of it as the ability to make demands on people and then force them to follow through on them. Uh, we think of power as the ability to assert our will over everything else. But Good Friday should remind us that real power, true power, is different than that. True power is the ability to love. It's the ability to sacrifice for somebody else. It's the ability to turn the other cheek. True power is the ability to be merciful. It's the ability to refrain from violence. That's what real power looks like. That's the kind of power that God works through. That's the kind of power that God builds his kingdom through. And then finally, one final thought I have as I gaze upon the crucified Christ is God has willingly sacrificed for our sake out of his love for us. I've been emphasizing the suffering of Christ, but I want to make something very clear, which is that Christ was not a helpless victim. Okay? He was not a helpless victim. He was, in a sense, a victim of injustice, but he was not a helpless one because he chose to go through this. The sacrifice wasn't forced. It was willing. There's uh, several moments in the Gospels that make this clear. For example, when the soldiers first come to arrest Jesus, Peter gets all defensive, and he, he pulls out a sword. Uh, he cuts off the ear of, of one of the people that's come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, put away your sword. And he reminds Peter, he says, don't you know that I could call on my father, and at once he would dispose 12 legions of angels? So Christ was capable of defending himself. He was not a helpless victim, but he chose not to. Why did he choose not to? Why did he choose the pain and humiliation if he could have just called down legions, legions of angels to come and, and defend him? The answer is because he loves us. Christ knew that the only way to set us free from the power of sin and of death and of the devil was by offering his life as a sacrifice. And so he willingly chose to do that because of his love because he longed for our redemption more than our condemnation, because he wanted our blessing, not our destruction. Good, Good Friday is a reminder that those words that we hear in church, God loves you, God loves you, they aren't just sentiment. There, there's evidence to back that up. Jesus willingly endured the pain and humiliation of the cross. He freely chose that for our sake. There's another question that I think we should ask ourselves on Good Friday as we gaze on the crucified Christ. So the first question was, what does the crucified Christ tell us about who God is? The second question is this, will I recognize Christ as my king? Will I recognize Christ as my king? Two criminals were crucified when Jesus was being crucified, on both sides of him. And they answered that question, will I recognize Christ as king, differently. Here's what it says in Luke 23, uh, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. 
for we are getting what our sins deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus tells this criminal that he's going to get to experience paradise. Why? I think there's there's one simple reason, which is because this criminal recognizes Jesus as king. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Somehow this criminal is able to look at this dying, suffering, seemingly powerless victim and then conclude, this is the king. Somehow he's able to perceive, this is the Lord. And it's his ability to perceive that that then opens up the doors to paradise for him. And my question tonight is, can we do the same? Can we look upon the humble, suffering, merciful Jesus and recognize this is the supreme power and authority. This is the one who deserves my allegiance. This is the one who deserves my lifelong service. This is the one who will rule and reign forever and ever. This is the one who can lead me to paradise. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that each one of us would spend some time today, tonight, thinking about you on the cross. And I pray that as we do, your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, that you would impress on us the reality of your love for us, the reality of of your, your humility and your sacrificial love and your mercy, the fact that you're with us, in our suffering, Lord. I pray that these would not just be ideas that we assent to, but they they would be felt truths, Lord, that they would be things that we experience and know, not just in our minds, but in our hearts as well. Lord, we thank you so much for providing the offering. In Jesus' name, amen.